الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على سيد المرسلين سيدنا محمد وعلى آله وصحبه أجمعين ومن تبعهم بإحسان إلى يوم الدين رب اشرح لي صدري ويسر لي أمري وحل لقدة من لساني يفقه قولي ما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله my dear brothers and sisters I hope you're doing fantastic on this beautiful Friday evening Alhamdulillah Rabbil Alameen. This is uh, something new that we're doing for the first time. You know, summer is here uh, and it's time for some changes. Uh, so we're uh, pleased to launch this uh, very new program called KMA Friday Night Mic Drop. Uh, the idea here is that, you know, subhanAllah, when we are having programs in the, in the, uh, in the masjid, in the masallah, when we're doing things online, especially which are uh, yani religious or religiously oriented, when, you know, I'm giving a khutbah, for example, uh, it's sometimes a bit challenging to bring in uh, different voices from within the community to talk about uh, some really important topics because usually it's uh, you know it's one person uh, who's talking especially when we talk about Friday khutbah. Uh, so what we're trying to do here is uh, give an opportunity uh, for uh, discussion on important topics um, and in a way that that hopefully that the hope is that it will touch the heart right because at the end of the day uh, positive change substantive change comes when when hearts are touched and when hearts connect with one another. Uh, so that is our hope, inshallah, with this new series that we will be doing occasionally on Friday nights, uh, inshallah. Uh, and we uh, look forward to uh, hosting you and hoping that uh, you will be joining us uh, for each session and that you will find them uh, beneficial, inshallah. Um, you know, on May 25th, uh, 2020, uh, George Floyd was uh, killed in, uh, was killed by police in Minneapolis during an, address, uh, an arrest for allegedly using a counterfeit bill. He was 46 years old and he was black. Since then, hundreds of thousands of people, if not more, have turned out for anti-racism protests around the world. George Floyd's death has also sparked intense discussion on racism, on police brutality, and is also uh, leading many to call for strong action against racism. While a lot of the focus has been on racism within the police, within the justice system, the question is, how does anti-black racism impact the Muslim community? Joining us tonight to talk about racial equality in justice and religion, uh, we are pleased to welcome two guests. Uh, so first, uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman Hussain, uh, who was uh, born in Montreal, like myself, um, and uh, grew up in Ottawa, mashallah, graduated high school from the Ottawa Islamic School, and also then completed a degree in political science at Carleton University, mashallah. And then, um, he went on to study at the Islamic University of Medina, uh, completing his bachelor's in Islamic law, mashallah, and currently he's an instructor at the Al-Fitra Learning Center. Uh, welcome, Sheikh Abdurrahman. Um, joining us also is uh, Sister uh, Faria Ahmed, uh, and she is the co-founder of the Justice for Abdurrahman Abdi uh, Coalition. And uh, we have just lost her. She was with us uh, a moment ago, but uh, inshallah, we'll be hoping that uh, she was able, she is able to reconnect um, and that uh, we are able to have her as part of this panel uh, this evening. Uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman, uh, yeah. welcome. Um, can you start off by sharing um, how you felt when you found out about the killing of George Floyd and with the uh, the impact that his uh, his his death has had so far. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Alhamdulillah rabbil alamin. Wa sallallahu wa sallam wa barak ala nabiyyina Muhammad wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. 
Uh, first and foremost, I thank Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for allowing us to have this gathering. Uh, secondly, I want to thank you, uh, Imam Sikander, and your community. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless um, all of us. Uh, to answer your question with regards to uh, my feelings and how I felt towards the incident that took place uh, last month with the with the murder of uh, George Floyd in public, and it was on video for everybody to see. Uh, I mean, the feeling that I had is the feeling that many of us shared. You know, it was just, I remember my first reaction when I came across the video. Uh, one of my friends posted it on Instagram, and I, it, it was surreal because it was a nine-minute video, and it, it took me, it took a while to take in that, you know, this guy's actually dying on video. You can see him, you know, begging, clearly saying that he can't breathe. At one point in time, he was calling out for his mother. And it's all on video to watch. So it was it, it was graphic on its own nature uh, and it was very, very disturbing. But at the same time, uh, you know, when you stand up, stand back and think, you realize that this is something that has, you know, been happening a lot in many other cases uh, that might have not necessarily been fully on camera recorded the way this situation was. Not to undermine the situation, the murder that took place here. But this is something that has been happening, right? And, and case in point, with the case that happened only four years ago, uh, here in Ottawa, in our in our own community, with one of our own community members, uh, the videos did come out later on, and you can see the similar situation where you know uh, Abdurrahman Abdi, may Allah have mercy on him, uh, was was murdered uh, by police. So, and and many many other cases happening in the United States, other parts of the other parts of the world, and it's connected to this issue with police brutality, connected to the issue of anti-black racism. So it was definitely it's definitely a big problem, and uh, that video in particular, George Floyd, was shocking. Uh, the reaction that came out afterwards was not necessarily surprising, uh, but again, like I said, it's a it's an issue that you know from this came out the discussion that we really need to have with regards to police brutality, with regards to racism in general, anti-black racism in specific, and us being Muslims. Uh, being people that connect ourselves to worshiping Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone and dedicating our lives to worshiping Allah alone, what does our religion say about these issues? What is the understanding that we're supposed to have as Muslims with regards to the issue of racism, right, and, and colorism? And if we look at the Quran and if we look at the Sunnah of the Prophet, you'll see that this issue has been tackled explicitly and we have been given guidelines with regards to how we understand as Muslims how to understand and apply these issues. Do we actually apply as a different issue altogether, which we can talk about? But going through the actual guidelines of what Allah and His Messenger say is clear. And inshallah, hopefully we can briefly touch upon that, inshallah. Inshallah, inshallah. No, and I'm glad you bring that up because, you know, um, what I'm noticing is that there's a, a lot of people who are, uh, you know, quite upset uh, about, um, you know, all of the, uh, I'm quite upset, of course, uh, about the murder of George, George Floyd. Um, but also about all of the, you know, the, the, the lack, I guess, of action uh, with regards to racism and particularly systemic racism. Uh, and what I'm noticing, though, is that uh, when it comes to the Muslim community, there's two types of conversations. Um, so one is with regards to the, um, uh, the internal racism or racism within the Muslim community, which is, you know, very, very important to, to, to tackle, I believe. Yeah. Uh, inshallah, we can talk about that. But also then, you know, how to approach issues like racism um, and police brutality, racism in society, systemic racism, uh, from an Islamic paradigm and from an Islamic perspective, right? Because there, you know, there's, there's you know, a, a lot of voices uh, who are uh, trying to champion the cause uh, with great intentions, I'm sure, um, but not necessarily coming from an Islamic perspective. 
So uh -huh. when Muslims look at the murder of Floyd, when they look at police brutality, when they look at systemic racism, what, like, how should we be processing um, these uh, these struggles and these challenges? Uh, that's a good question. With regards to as Muslims, how should we uh, understand and process these challenges? These are challenges that you know that are happening in front of us, that have been happening, you know, that have been brought to the light even more so with specific case and other cases in the past. And and as Muslims, like we, the chef just mentioned, you just mentioned, uh, we have to now process all of these issues in the light of what we understand from Allah and his messenger. First and foremost, understanding the issue of at hand of, if you're talking about specifically racism, uh, the, the concept of considering yourself being superior over another person based on your nation, based on your tribe, based on your color, right? And we'll discuss that inshallah in a bit more detail with ta'ala. As well as just the issues of, you know, um, racism with regards to, you know, stereotypes, pre assumptions that, you know, people might just have normalized uh, with towards particular groups of people and how to tackle that and how to deal with that. The content of, you know, re-educating and, and teaching ourselves, you know, not to think with these types of stereotypical concepts. So that's also a very, very important issue with regards to how to, you know, start, you know, from the root trying to solve this issue, tackling the issue when it comes to how we understand these issues of race, these issues of color. So I think it's, it's important that, you know, educate, it starts from really educating ourselves and, 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 and the issue of the system and dealing with the systematic racism, obviously the racism and the understanding and the preconceived notions people have, um, that's one level. And then the other level is actually implementing it and kind of, you know, projecting those understandings towards other people and then the most extreme version of it is now actually systematically applying those you know preconceived notions and making it into law or making it building a system around it where people now the system you know is catering towards these understandings which is backwards and, and incorrect so so it's le there's levels to um tackling the issue but i think we gotta start from the bottom first and start from the understanding of how do we understand this issue of racism? Because a lot of times there might be issues that are considered to be racist and are racist, but particularly within the Muslim community or humans in general, they they don't even understand it. They don't even realize. They haven't come to the realization that that's an understanding that is incorrect and that needs to be corrected. And there must be some type of you know tasheeh and correction made from the understanding and the aspect of education. All right. So subconscious biases and subconscious racism as well. Right. So things that, you know, we may not even realize things that we do or choices that we make, not even realizing that they are actually racist in nature or that, you know, that they are problematic. Uh, Alhamdulillah, Sister Faria has, uh, is able to join us now. Uh, so once again, the co-founder of the Justice uh, for Abdurrahman uh, Abdi uh, Coalition. Uh, welcome, uh, Sister Faria. And my first question for you will be the same that I asked Sheikh Abdurrahman: Is that when you uh, found out about the the murder of George Floyd, and when you saw the uh, the reaction that that came as a result, what went through your mind, and how did you feel? The reaction of, um, I guess, uh, North America and the world. You mean after yes. George Floyd? Yeah. I think that. Uh, 
to me, it was really interesting to see the reaction. Um, I think that with everything, you know, Allah has his uh, course and plan. Um, it was really interesting to see this uh, sudden, what seemed to be a, a sudden awareness um, that had come to the forefront. Um, it's 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 not something that's new to those who have been experiencing uh, police brutality or who have been living in the space of uh, advocacy, for example. Um, but what it really took um, our community here in Ottawa, uh, the Somali community, the Muslim community, back to um, you know the events of uh, July twenty fourth, twenty sixteen, when we witnessed and. Uh, I mean, not personally myself, but quite frankly, many people um, were eyewitnesses to Abdurrahman's murder um, in a very gruesome way. So um, it was, in a way, it was strangely comforting to see the worldwide reaction um, because it just showed um, a certain level of awareness that was finally hitting the mainstream. And uh, I guess that's that was uh, the reaction. It was um, disheartening, um, very traumatizing. Uh, but the, in terms of the uh, awakening um, that came from it, that there was there was uh, a strange comfort in that. Yeah. So, uh, yes, the the irony is clear there that you know you have a, a terrible event, but at the same time, uh, like you say, the reaction is is even somewhat comforting that finally there is some awareness and a type of awakening perhaps with regards to these types of, uh, of issues. Now, you've been very closely involved uh, with the Coalition for Justice for Abdurrahman Abdi. Um, what has his tragic story uh, told you about the state uh, of uh, racial equality or perhaps inequality uh, in Ottawa, especially when it relates to justice? Um, it has shown a tremendous discrepancy, a huge gap in um, equity. Um, I think that, you know, when we talk about uh, equity and equality, there's a very interesting difference that's very subtle um, and not always spoken to. Um, the, you know, the idea that uh, with equality is that everyone is treated the same and has the same uh, resources and support, uh, whereas equity recognizes that some may need a little little bit more support while others may not. Um, and I think that this, this is an actually interesting segue to the idea of Black Lives Matter. And when we're speaking about Black Lives Matter, what does this really mean? Um, you know, there's often, it's juxtaposed uh, against the idea that all lives matter. And there's a very key and distinct difference there. Um, we, of course, we all understand that all lives matter. Um, and there's been an interest, uh, I, I guess, a nice analogy uh, video and you know all these memes that are now going around mm -hmm. that help explain that but simply it just means that yes your life may matter but at the moment this life is in a, in a little bit more danger and so the support and the attention is is needed and so what we learned through the justice for Abdurrahman coalition and our in our fight for equity um, in that regard is that um, there there is a serious um, uh, fracture in the system when it comes to uh, the way the justice system is built. Um, and this was brought to the forefront in a more recent verdict that had come out with um, the, the Miller verdict. Um, for those who don't know, um, 
Defonte Miller was, uh, you know, a young man in Toronto, and mm-hmm. um, he he also experienced police brutality. In his case, um, at the end of the day, what happened was, uh, you know, it was interesting how the judge, um, in explaining the verdict, he came out and said that, you know, against probability, um, meaning, you know. For, for all of the evidence that's placed in front of me, um, it is they, they are probably guilty. However, um, the system just won't allow for um, the, you know, the, the verdict to be of guilt um, because yeah. you know, that's, that's just a very, uh, it, it, we get into a complicated legal system that, that we're talking about. Um, but no, it's, uh, it's, it's unfair. And there's certainly a key difference when it comes to some fragments of the uh, population. And namely in these cases, um, there is uh, a lot more, um, uh, you know, policing and those in policing right now, the way the legislation is written, um, allows for there to be more authority, of course, there, but also a lack of accountability. And that's one of the main objectives of our coalition. Hmm. Uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman, thank, uh, thank you, uh, Sister Faria. Um, you know, growing up uh, in Ottawa uh, or in Montreal and, and being in Ottawa as a young uh, Black male, uh, what has your experience been or what have you heard from, uh, you know, of the impact of systemic racism uh, or racism in general on the lives of young uh, black youth, especially uh, men here in our city? Um, in all honesty, uh, if, if, if I make it personal with regards to myself, uh, I wasn't necessarily uh, just due to the nature of how I was raised and you know the sheltered you know life that I was kind of in, I, I did not necessarily become exposed to uh, some of those aspects growing up during my time in uh, junior high or high school, but I really became exposed to it uh, afterwards when I, you know, worked as a youth worker in the community and different communities and, uh, you know, being a youth worker, dealing with youth in different high schools uh, here in Ottawa uh, and just seeing, you know, dealing with the issues of the young people and me being young myself and 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 seeing those preconceived notions and those you know, assumptions being made directed towards, you know, uh, uh, young black youths uh, it's it's quite shocking, and at times, you know, um, I remember situations where you know you're running a drop-in, and you know afterwards the kids are going home, and you would see in the it's in a neighborhood where you would see you know the what are they what they call the dart uh, or the drug guns and gangs unit of the police op- police force, you know, driving around the ball court, and at times following cars. I'll be driving, you know, dropping somebody off, and they'll be following you. So I, those are things that I never necessarily got exposed to growing up because I just wasn't in that situation, but working in the community and working in some of these neighborhoods, you see it and you see it, you see the at times fear from young people towards, you know, towards the the police, which is not supposed to be the case, but just due to the situation of how the system has become, you see that there. So there's definitely, you know, glaring issues, huge problems that, you know, that are there affecting young people, especially young black people uh, in the community. Uh, and those were experiences that I that I knew of growing up. I knew of, you know, when you're growing up, your parents would tell you, but it never really, you know, seeing something and hearing something is very, very different. So seeing it afterwards, especially working in the community, hearing stories from young people, um, and, and, and that's when you really get exposed to it. So I think for me, it was more of uh, seeing it afterwards growing up. <laughs> Even at times, you know, witnessing situations where uh, police would be a bit aggressive. Uh, I remember a situation where, uh, and this is when I was in high school, but I was sleeping over at a friend's house, and in the neighborhood, in that area, there was an arrest happening late at night. So I woke up and looked out the window, and I'm at my friend's house, 
And I can see it. I can see, you know, somebody being arrested, being brought, you know, being held in the hood, his head being smashed on the on the back of the car. And for me, it was surreal. I, was, I think I was in like 10th grade when I saw that. And it's like two in the morning. I'm looking at it from the window in the house. And I'm just, it's like, it's amazing how, you know, being exposed to that. And there are people who probably are far more than myself. So mm-hmm. can't turn a blind eye and act like it doesn't exist. It does exist. Obviously, we've seen what happened to Abdi. Uh, and that was live in broad daylight on TV. Uh, he wasn't armed. He wasn't, uh, you know, he wasn't, you know, a threat as uh, as it's being projected in any in, in any way. And the video, see, watching that video, it's, it's heartbreaking. But that's a reality that needs to be dealt with. Uh, uh, Sister Freya, what what sort of impact does does you know this type of policing, uh, or you know the, this this type of approach have on young people, especially when they're growing up? I think actually just listening to what was being said right now, that's that's the kind of impact. I mean, the simple fact that you're able to narrate um, these feelings uh, that you had witnessing that kind of uh, interaction, I think that's the impact that it has. The other impact is, um, you know, there's a mistrust, there's a distrust. Um, and I think that there's, uh, you know, it, it causes uh, youth, particularly black male youth, um, to feel a certain way when it comes comes to, um, you know, their protection and their safety. I think that there's an understanding that they have that they're not as safe or as protected as other people because constantly the image that's portrayed to them is that they are a threat and that they are being policed. I think that this is a very challenging way for somebody to grow up. Um, The other thing that we are uh, trying to work on um, through our advocacy has been um, initially we, we were trying to find the accountability and transparency and we went about that all the normal ways that you would. We went through a very uh, detailed um, and rigorous legislative process. Um, and what we realized is that the political systems just wouldn't let that stick, even though we got exactly what we wanted uh, for the laws to change. Um, unfortunately, the system changed itself when there's a new government. And so now what we're looking at is we really need to overhaul um, and rethink and reimagine what we want our society to look like. Um, our group has, uh, I presented to the um, Ottawa Police Service Board recently, and we were calling for um, a defunding of policing. Now, this term may sound a little uh, scary for some people, but when we're talking about defunding, we're not talking about an abolition of uh, policing. What we're talking about is a recognition that our communities could be better um, better managed and have a holistic approach to community safety and well-being, especially when it comes to the intersections um, of somebody like Abdurrahman. And we're seeing this in- coming over and over again. Recently, again, uh, the uncle in um, the Toronto area. Ijaz Chaudhry. This was, um, I started my presentation by mentioning him because this is exactly um, the challenge that we're looking at. Uh, People with mental health um, issues um, intersected with a racial identity are far more likely to find themselves um, in uh, police brutality or death in the two circumstances that we're talking about this evening. And this is why we're making the call and why we would like to think about policing in a different way. It shouldn't look like, um, you know, patrols at basketball courts um, acting as a threat to to young uh, black males. Hmm. So in the case of uh, Abdurrahman Abdi, what would have been, how should that have been dealt with? Like what, what would have that looked like 
if it had been handled correctly? That's an excellent question. And in fact, it's going to be the topic of a community discussion that's actually being sponsored by local businesses um, in the, uh, the the West Wellington area where Abdurrahman's life, um, where the incident took place. So there, there's two levels there that we can talk about. The first is the immediate reaction of um, the, the the store owners or the, you know, the, uh, the general customers. Now, of course, um, you know, I just want to uh, touch on that for a moment before I get too far. You know, oftentimes we've been hearing through these last three and a half years that, um, you know, we're ignoring what the, the initial assault or the initial victimizing that that happened. And nobody's ignoring that. Whatever took place in that bridgehead that that, that fateful day um, was a tra tragedy regardless. And, um, you know, uh, justice was taken um, when that police officer decided to be judge and jury by himself. Um, so that's a, so one thing is a societal recognition that there's a better way to deal with people having a mental health crisis. And this is slowly starting to take course in our communities. We're having more open and transparent conversations about mental health um, and mental health issues and how they could look. As for um, how things could have been responded to, and if you take a look at current statistics and calls to 911, you'll see that a good portion of these are calls for health supports um, and calls for uh, mental health crises. And so there's a there's an opportunity, and one of the first things that we called for uh, when we met with the chief back in August 2016 was that there should be better training, equip the police officers to be better trained in, in dealing with these crises. But three years down the line, what we've come to see is that um, they're not social workers, they're not mental health uh, professionals. And so there, there's an opportunity and there's models around the world that show that, um, you know, an immediate response could be a more compassionate one with those, um, forgive me, um, for, uh, for with those um, who know how to deal with the situation. So um, the... The store owners that day, I think that at the end of the day, they do they did the only thing they knew how to, which was to call the police. And unfortunately for us, um, the police were absolutely the wrong call that day because uh, we, we saw exactly what happened um, when they were called. Um, as for what should have what should have happened immediately right after that is um, this police officer should have been suspended without pay. Um, the legislation did not allow for that to happen. Um, the legislation that we eventually pushed for did allow that to happen. And unfortunately, that was not, ha did not come into play. Um, so there's there's all sorts of things that, that could have taken place, but absolutely, um, you know, there's a, we, we have to get to a point where we, where criminal officers um, should be able to be charged and suspended from there. They're, they're no longer there to protect us, to be safe. The same officer was continued to be on the streets for several weeks after Abdurrahman Abdi's uh, situation. And that's absolutely wrong. Mm -hmm. um, I'm going to, you know, change gears a little bit here um, and focus on the um, the other aspect of this discussion on uh, racism, the societal or community discussion that, that has been occurring. Um, so as I said earlier, you know, one aspect of it is uh, police brutality, uh, racism in society, systemic racism. Uh, the other aspect uh, is racism within the Muslim community. So Sheikh Abdurrahman, you know, Malcolm X performed Hajj uh, in 1964 um, and uh, described how he saw people of all colors, quote, from blue-eyed blondes to black-skinned Africans. 
And you know, for over a, a thousand years or so, victims uh, of racism or people uh, who have faced racism and, and tribalism and people who have been disadvantaged have found great hope in the teachings of Islam. Why is that so? Well, that's a great question. Uh, and, and starting that off with the whole journey of Malcolm X is also very, very uh, relevant to the conversation because Malcolm X being somebody, obviously his story is a long story, but being somebody that, you know, was he grew up in a society that, you know, saw himself to be inferior as to what was being pushed by the society that he was living in. And when he was exposed to Islam and he actually went to Mecca and he realized that even the version of Islam that he was, you know, you know, leaning towards the nation of Islam, you know, which he thought was Islam, uh, you know, preached, you know, black supremacy. But he when he went to Mecca and he saw, you know, some of the quotes in, in the autobiography mentioned that he was in Mina and, you know, they were all sleeping in the same tent in Mina. And at, when the lights are off, you know, everybody, you know, snores the same. There's no distinction or differentiation in terms of color. And it's very interesting that, you know, he, he, he noticed, he notices the, these things practically when he actually goes and, and does the talking. If we go back to what the Quran and the Sunnah specifically talk about, specifically explain about these issues, it's very, very interesting how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, uh, you know, describes to us the, 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 the wisdoms behind different clans and different tribes and different nations and different colors and and the understanding that the quran and the sunnah is telling us how to understand and perceive these things versus how human beings have taken on upon themselves to perceive these things so for example in the quran where allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says uh talking about his signs subhanallah in surah al-rum allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is talking about some of these things that are an indication of his greatness tabarak wa ta'ala so allah says وَمِنْ آيَاتِهِ خَلْقُ السَّمَاوَاتِ وَالْأَرْضِ وَاخْتِلَافُ أَلْسِنَتِكُمْ وَأَلْوَانِكُمْ إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِلْعَالِمِينَ Allah says that from his great signs is that he created the heavens and the earth, right? And Allah then says that from his ayat as well is the different languages and the different colors that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala created you with. Yeah. And Allah says, إِنَّ فِي ذَلِكَ لَآيَاتٍ لِلْعَالِمِينَ That this is a sign and indication for those who have knowledge, who have understanding. So we understand from that that the different complexions and the different colors and the different languages is in itself a sign of Allah's greatness. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala himself explains in the Quran that he created us in the best of, you know, in the best of fashions. That Allah created you in the best of forms, in the best of shapes. And some of the scholars explain that the understanding of that, the opposite understanding of that, which is if somebody uses these things you know, to look down upon other people, to say that I am better than so-and-so because of my color. You must be a bad person because you are of that complexion. Then by default, you are, you know, taking jabs at Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's signs and his creation. Because Allah is saying that he created you in the best of, in the best of uh, fashion, in the best of ways. And another part of the Quran, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions to, talking to all of mankind, Muslim and non-Muslim, all of the children of Adam, saying that he has created you male and female. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has created you in nations and in tribes for the objective of knowing and identifying one another. So these are identities that we have. However, these identities are not supposed to be used to be pitted against each other or to be to put down one identity over the other. Allah says the best amongst you are those who are the most God conscious, the ones who obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the most, the ones who stay away from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's prohibitions. That's the one, that is the, the measurement of who's the best amongst you. 
not what, what gender or what race or what background you are. So the Quran clearly indicates um, the, how we understand it. And if you go to the Prophet Sallallahu being an example for us to follow in his action, he والسلام, in his actions dealt with these issues in his society. Because as we all know, the Prophet وسلم, came, uh, was sent to his people and was sent to all of mankind. Right? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that he sent Muhammad وسلم, to all of mankind. And his society that he was in in particular, his main message was to tell, c- command them to worship Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And similarly, he was also dealing with the societal ills that were happening in his society. And we also see this being a common factor with the other messengers and prophets before. That they came with the main message of telling the people to worship Allah, but they also dealt with the issues and the ills in the society at that time. And, and that's Allah- a really good point. Sorry, I'm going to cut you off there, but that's a really good point because um, that tells us that this work of social justice, this work of trying to purify you know, the society from these ills, is actually from the work of the Prophet Right, for sorry, continue. Uh, that thought just came to me. So, yeah, but sorry. Yeah. yeah, go ahead. And we see this practically with the Prophet ﷺ, where you know the issues that were happening in the society he dealt with. Amongst the things that were happening during that time with the Arabs is they would bury their baby girls alive. That was an issue in the society happening, and he yeah. dealt with it. And the Quran dealt with it. From that was the racism that was apparent towards groups of people. And the Prophet ﷺ physically, you know, in his speech and his action, dealt with it, right? We see the, the hadith where the Prophet ﷺ mentioned about an incident that happened before he became a prophet while he was young. The incident where the man came and he came to Mecca to perform some of the pilgrimage, the acts of pilgrimage, and was wronged, right? They did. They, he was oppressed. And he sought out help from the people of Mecca, and they, some of the elders ignored him because of where he came from. So they made that pact. They came together and they made that pact, which would eventually become known as Hilf al-Fudul, right? The pact where they came and they made the agreement that they will never oppress anyone. And the Prophet ﷺ mentioned later on that if I was there at that time and I was a messenger, I would have taken a part in that. That is more beloved to me than, you know, expensive of camels. Indicating the Prophet ﷺ saying that he would have stood up for justice against somebody being oppressed, even though that person is not a Muslim. That person was somebody who was worshipping idols. He was not somebody who worshipped Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. However, zulm and standing up against oppression is something that the Quran clearly indicates. And that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us that there is no barrier between the person who's being oppressed and their dua towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, whether they're Muslim or not. So it's very important that we stand up against you know oppression and justice. And the underlining guideline of how we stand up for oppression and justice, being Muslims, is what Allah and His Messenger sallallahu Tell us another example. Sorry, I've been, I went on for a while here. <laughs> example is um, that comes to my mind is the example where the companion uh, Bilal radiallahu anhu in Al Madina, when he was approached by one of the other companions and they had an altercation, and the companion told him, "You are the son of a black woman." And Bilal got very upset, and he went to the Prophet sallallahu and informed the Messenger of Allah of what happened. And when the Prophet ﷺ was approached by that companion, he reproached him. He, he, told, he talked to him and he told him, there is, did you actually say this to Bilal? Indeed, there is affairs of ignorance and jahiliyyah in you. So he corrected it immediately. He didn't keep quiet. He didn't stay silent. He, didn't, he, 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 he wasn't politically correct about it, but he corrected him immediately on the spot. And that companion, you know, was very, very remorseful because the companions, you know, who are the best of the human beings after the prophets and messengers, 
he was somebody that was always fighting to avoid being from the people of Jahiliya. So being told that he has ignorance still, remnants of ignorance in him, for him, it hit him hard. And he went to Bilal and he apologized. And, 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 and he felt bad and he was remorseful. And there are many other lessons we can take away from that as well. That, you know, we educate the people with regards to the mistakes they make with regards to, you know, racism. But at the same time, like the Prophet ﷺ, he didn't simply, you know, cancel that companion and, 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 and completely shun him away. But he gave him the opportunity to turn back and to repent and to change his understanding, which he did. So I think that that's, there's, that's just one of many, many lessons we can take away yeah, from practical practical actions from yeah. the life of the Prophet Sallam. Yeah, and, and that's also a really good point, right? That, you know, we and I give a football and cancel culture once as well. And, you know, of course, when, you know, someone does something which is uh, unacceptable, uh, which we believe to be wrong, uh, it's natural to feel angry towards them. Uh, but I think what you're indicating here is that the, the sunnah of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam actually is to give people a chance first to rectify themselves. That yeah. if a person is, shows remorse, is willing to learn, uh, recognizes their mistake, uh, then we don't condemn them. Uh, we don't totally cancel all the good that they may have to offer, uh, but we give them an opportunity to rectify themselves. And um, uh, you know, I was thinking of Sister Fahiyya, mashallah, and you know, this, the, the, all this work with regards to uh, social justice um, and uh, you know, many others like you, mashallah, who are also uh, you know, participating in this type of work. Uh, SubhanAllah, the, the, the uh, potential for, for ajr and for blessings and reward is immense, right? As long as the, our intentions are there that we are doing this, uh, following the sunnah of the Prophet وسلم, for the pleasure of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, and, uh, you know, and trying to do it in the best way possible as you are, mashallah, uh, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of your efforts and, and reward you greatly. Um, I'm going to come to Sister Faye with the question in a second, but I actually wanted to share uh, the full quote from uh, Malcolm X. Uh, mm. Well, but not the full, full quote, but, you know, a, a lengthier quote. So let's see if this works. Uh, I hope everyone is able to see this. Um, he says, he writes that there were tens of thousands of pilgrims from all over the world. They were of all colors, from blue-eyed blondes to black-skinned Africans. But we were all participating in the same ritual, displaying a spirit of unity and brotherhood that my experiences in America had led me to believe never could exist between the white and the non-white. You may be shocked by these words coming from me, but on this pilgrimage, what I have seen and experienced has forced me to rearrange much of my thought patterns previously held and to toss aside some of my previous conclusions. This was not too difficult for me. Despite my firm convictions, I have been always a man who tries to face facts and to accept the reality of life as new experience and new knowledge uh, sorry, new knowledge unfolds it. He goes on, I've always kept an open mind, which is necessary to the flexibility that must go hand in hand every form of intelligence search for truth. During the past 11 days here in the Muslim world, I've eaten from the same plate, drunk from the same glass, and slept in the same bed or on the same rug, while praying to the same God with fellow Muslims whose eyes were the bluest of the blue, whose hair was the blondest of blonde, and whose skin was the whitest of white. And in the words and in the actions and in the deeds of the white Muslims, I felt the same sincerity that I felt among the black African Muslims of Nigeria, Sudan, and Ghana. We are, all, uh, we are truly all the same brothers. All praise is due to Allah, the Lord of the worlds, uh, subhanAllah. So uh, a very mm -hmm. uh, powerful quote, uh, passage there from uh, Malcolm X. Uh, Sister Ferry, I want to ask you, you know, we, we learn about, you know, these beautiful Islamic teachings, uh, which are pristine, uh, which are fair and which are just with regards to racism and other forms of uh, bigotry and discrimination as well, of course. Um, but practically, what do we find in our in our communities? Is it the you know is it are, are the words of Malcolm X 
what he witnessed at the Hajj. Are, are, are we seeing that practically in our communities or not? Um, I think, you know, I, I want to answer that in two ways. I think that there's um, a reality that, you know, we're, we're humans. And what that means is that we have fault and we have sin. Um, and oftentimes we do see a discrepancy. We do see culture within culture, um, you know, an idea that some are better than others. Um, you know, I'm, I'm not going to hide anything. I grew up in a culture where um, the, the lighter your skin, the, the better uh, you were. Like, you know, th there's these, these understandings and it's a term of endearment to be called, um, you know, the fair skinned one or something to that extent. Um, but I also think that there's, um, you know, one, one of the more um, beautiful things that I, I personally have experienced is in being part of this movement and this advocacy organization has been... Um, you know, the outpouring of love and unity that has, that comes from these situations. And I, on the first anniversary of Abdurrahman Abdi's death, um, I'm very proud of, you know, one of the legacy pieces that we were able to put together. And it was um, something that manifested as a means of people coming together. In fact, the event that we had to mark the occasion is called Standing Together. Um, and of course, you know, we, um, the people who founded uh, the coalition um, are for the most part Muslims and all of our work is grounded in our faith and from, you know, the, our teachings. Um, and so I just want to read to you um, the, the inscription that we were able to get put up on a plaque. This plaque was made as a, um, a gift from the, the people in that immediate community, the Muslim, the, the wider Muslim community, as well as the owners, um, uh, and the caretakers of the building. And we, we saw, um, you know, like I was saying, so many people had come together despite all of the ignorance and hate, there's always a silver lining. And that silver lining in this case was that there, there are definitely more people who are um, there to support the good and stand up for each other. And so at this event on the first anniversary, we were able to put up a plaque and the plaque read the following. In the loving memory of Abdurrahman Abdi, whose life was unjustly taken on these very steps on July 24, 2016, his death has caused an awakening. A united community and a strong call for justice has emerged. O oh, you who believe, persistently stand out firmly for justice as witnesses to God, even if it be against yourselves, your parents, or your relatives, be they rich or poor. Of course, this is a verse from the Quran. Um, and sorry, I'll just make sure to give you the, uh, it's from uh, chapter four and it's verse 135. Um, I'm very proud that this is the the piece that stands um, at the footsteps where Abdurrahman's life was taken. It is bittersweet in that, of course, um, this also carries with it the tragic memory of how his life was taken, but it's forever a sign and a witness for ourselves to remember that we are called as human beings, as servants of Allah, um, 
to to be witnesses um, for each other and to stand firmly for justice. And I think that this is something that we wanted to call in our latest march. We held we held a march recently, and um, at the end of the day, we're pleading with people to understand that uh, we are we we have nothing left. Um, you know, there's nothing left in our humanity if we can't remember that we are we need to be here for each other, regardless of the color of our skin, regardless of our our, our faith. Um, and in the examples that were given earlier, it's very clear that our Prophet Muhammad, may peace and blessings be upon him, um, he was always for justice, no matter you know, no matter who it was for. And this is also a quote that Malcolm X um, shares as well. Um, I don't know it off the top of my head, but I, I often feel it very deeply in my heart, the idea that, you know, I am for justice no matter who it's for or who it's against. And uh, I, I had the uh, the pleasure and the, uh, the, the good fortune, alhamdulillah, of being there when uh, the plaque was uh, was revealed, uh, and I have the picture up right now as well. Yeah, uh, I see it. Uh, Fifty five Hilda, is that right? Because uh, yes, that's correct. Yeah, so it's yeah. Uh, and the building where uh, Abdurrahman Abdi uh, used to live, his family lived, um, and outside of which uh, he was uh, fortunately and tragically killed. So uh, that plaque is there, and people can actually go and visit the building um, and and see it if uh, if they so wish. Uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman, you know, in the light of Islamic teachings. Um, what are some tips, some pointers uh, that individual Muslims can act upon, uh, like every single person on their own, with their families and their communities, uh, to uh, to combat racism? Uh, I think it really starts with uh, education and 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 re understanding these issues, you know, that we're living in right now, and at times, you know, coming to terms that. You might not know what's going on, but you know, accepting the fact that you need to understand what's going on and learning about it. And there's nothing wrong with really admitting to that fact that you need to, you know, come to understand. If you don't know about it, maybe there's somebody that knows more about it that can help you understand it. With regards to specifically what's happening in the world now and how we understand these issues, but even going back to how we understand this issue from our religion as Muslims, and 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 following that guideline of what the Quran says, of what the Prophet taught us, of what he practically did, uh, When the Prophet is giving his last speech in uh, in his final Hajj, the only Hajj that he performed, and he is standing there and he's saying that you know you are all the children of adam and adam came from 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 dust and there is no virtue and superiority of an arab over a non-arab or non-arab over an arab there is no superiority of a white person over a black person or a black person over a white person some of the narrations even mentioned the prophet reciting the ayah that we mentioned earlier oh mankind i've created you from i've created you male and female nations and tribes so that you may know one another the best amongst you are those who have taqwa. So the Prophet ﷺ is saying this important message in this important time, indicating to us it's a serious message, it's an important message. So really understanding, you know, how Islam came to, you know, cure this problem. And if you really try to, you know, dissect and understand, you know, the issue of, you know, seeing yourself to be superior over somebody else based on your tribe or your color or whatever, whatever it may be, whatever identity yeah. you might be using, we really see that the first person or the first uh, individual that actually, you know, implemented these types of, you know, notions was Shaytan, was Iblis, right? And Iblis was the one who said, you know, I am better than Adam. Allah created me from flame and created you from mud. Right, so that's mm -hmm. the first. 
So we can say that shaitan was the first racist. So the concept okay. is a shaitanic concept, is a devilish concept, right? And and, and and it's a it's a it's a deviation and a misguidance from how we are supposed to understand these issues. Uh, so when it comes to you know the you know the unconscious biases that we might have, you know the what the cultures have come to just normalize as light skin being better than dark skin or whatever it might be. Again, it must be a reconstruction of how we understand these things. And there is no greater you know a roadmap and guide uh, better than what the Quran and the Sunnah have presented. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala clearly says that the Quran, you know, is a guide for those, you know, to the most suitable of ways. And is a guide for those who really have correct understanding and proper intellect. So I think, you know, as a Muslim community, um, understanding these issues, you know, the, the racism that's occurring within the Muslim community, you know, between different nations, within some of even our cultures, you know, within some of our cultures and how we understand tribe and how we understand nations and how what is the correct understanding of it versus what is being implemented today that is incorrect. Yeah. And it's, you know, to say that you know, it, it, these things are easy to deal with, right? And oh, it can yeah. actually require quite a bit of majahada, of struggle, <laughs> uh, yeah. of introspection, of, you know, really looking at our actions, our yeah. attitude. Because a lot of times, like you said, uh, mashallah, you know, it is subconscious. We may not even realize that. I mean, no one wants to admit, uh, or maybe there yeah. are some people nowadays, but I, I would think very few people like to admit that they are actually racist or, you know, that they have bigoted views. So like, say, no, I'm not mm -hmm. a racist. But then when you actually, you know, examine, like, how, what's my decision-making process? You know, mm -hmm. who are the people that I'm actually leaving out or, you know, that I'm not making salam to or that I that have types about? And I think that's when we start realizing that, oh, I've got some work to do. And uh, honestly, yeah. you know, every single one of us has a lot of work to do. So, you know, this is just part of our journey uh, towards, uh, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala realizing that we are imperfect beings and that there's no shame really in, in realizing and recognizing our mistakes and our weaknesses. Um, and uh, and then, you know, first step being aware and recognizing and then going forward and trying to rectify those things. And if we um, actually go through that struggle with good intentions and realize our weaknesses, then we actually can be pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with that attitude. And inshallah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will also help us uh, in purifying our hearts uh, from these diseases. Jazakallah, uh, Shaykh Abdurrahman. Uh, Sister Freya, um, as we get closer to wrapping up now, um, you know, there are certain terms that are being used with regards to the current discussions around anti-black racism. Um, you know, we come across them, especially on social media, being an ally, uh, some great, you know, images and, and slides being heard. Um, you know, we hear a lot about systemic racism, Black Lives Matter, you mentioned as well. Now, you know, these terms may or not be clear to, to people who are sort of on the outside or maybe are not really, you know, fully engaged in these discussions, maybe not fully paying mm -hmm. attention. So in a nutshell, you know, what is the issue i don't mean to bring you back to uh, you know to square one but really like uh, very briefly in a nutshell you know what is the issue and what can people do to help okay i want to uh, i'm going to try to be quick and i'm going to speak about it in two ways um right now i think one of the key things that people are hearing um as an a call to action is defunding of police and i want to give um some really important context in terms of where this is coming from um as i, I spoke to you previously about maybe a system a systemic change where uh, society is responding more compassionately um and appropriately to to calls however there's a um when 
when we talk about the um, the biases and systemic racism, we're talking about the historical context. Now, for those that um, may, may not know, um, policing in North America comes originally from uh, the times of slavery, where it was vigilantes who were eventually organized um, to capture in, uh, runaway slaves. That's one. Um, the other is the RCMP in Canada. The historical context there um, and the challenges with the Indigenous community is um, the, the idea of the, the Royal uh, Canadian Mounted Police comes from a British concept uh, previously where they were they had, um, you know, a royal military force that was intended intended at that time to keep the Irish in place. And in Canada, um, you know, it was created to keep the indigenous population in in their place, in their order. And so, this historical context is really important for people to understand, especially in the context of blacks and indigenous communities. So, you know, when you are understanding that this is a system that was founded on these principles and these systems, and if, if through the years, we're still talking about those injustices that were built throughout the system. And so that's why it's really difficult for the Black community in particular, especially in North America and the Indigenous populations. Um, so, of course, I'm not saying that that's exactly how the entire system is placed. But the truth is that there's um, that kind of, when we're talking about systemic racism, this is what we're talking about, right? We have to acknowledge this historical context first. Um, as for allyship, allyship means um, being there as a support and lending your resources, whatever that may be. That could look like time, that could look like money, that could look like your platform, that could look like your shoulder to cry on. So any of these things that you have in any circumstance, and we are all allies at different points in time, right? Um, so you need to be able to recognize and make yourself available in however way that you can, like I said, whether that's your time, your money, your intellect. Um, groups like the Justice for Abdurrahman Coalition are groups of individuals who come together and pool their intellectual resources in order to affect change in the system. We are a team of policy specialists, education experts, mental health uh, practitioners, lawyers, um, all of these different uh, you know, intellectual abilities that have come together and, ha and have helped us um, uh, affect change in one way or another. And then the other one that I'll just conclude with is uh, Black Lives Matter. I think that it's really important for our communities, especially the Muslim community, to understand when we're saying Black Lives Matter, it does not mean that your life does not matter. It just means that right now we're talking about the continuous threat against Black lives. And I think that George Floyd's death was the, you know, the one death that probably placed this idea, this pain and this frustration on the map. And so what it means is simply that, you know, your life does matter, but you need to understand that your support, your energy is needed to help my life right now. Um, so the, it's uh, the final decade in the UN decade of persons of African descent. This was a 10-year um, commitment that the, the, you know, the, the UN had called for and Canada had signed on to five years into the decade, actually. Um, but what this means is that there's a recognition that there's a historical impact of the effects of um, uh, slavery, the transatlantic slave trade in particular, um, and there's a recognition that 
colonialism across um, Africa, and of course, uh, colonialism happened all, all over the globe. Um, but we're, you know, we're talking about a recognition where equity and equality were not, they're not the same thing. Um, so people's resources um, have been taken. Uh, people's ability to uh, have a, a dignified life was taken for generations. And so there's an understanding that people of African descent in particular, that's what this UN decade is calling for, is calling for justice um, and accountability um, and, and responsibility to be taken uh, for those generations that were lost. Hmm. So it's a, there's a collective impact. So that's why that this historical uh, context, context is so important because mm-hmm. uh, what is happening is not uh, happening in isolation or in a vacuum, but rather it's 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 a result of uh, of, of decades of centuries uh, of policies and um, and uh, racism and approaches uh, which are now leading to what we are seeing uh, today. Um, and I think you know, going that I think it's perhaps also important to to note. And people will say things like this that you know, um, you know, not all police officers are racist, for example, or you know, not all white people are racist. And I don't think anyone is actually saying that, right? It's 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 a uh, the, the structures that have been uh, created and the way that things are dealt with. Uh, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's really the message. Yeah. It's not picking on individual uh, people. The great there may be great people, you know, in in perhaps almost every organization, um, uh, people who are trying to bring change or who want to do good. Um, but it's really about how things are set up. And a lot of times, myself included, we may not even be able to see uh, the aspect, uh, you know, that we are not familiar with because we are blinded by how the system is created, by how, you know, uh, things are presented. Um, so, uh, so Jazakallah Khair, uh, thank you for that, uh, Sister Freya. Uh, Sheikh Abdurrahman, uh, any uh, concluding remarks that you'd like to leave uh, our audience with as we wrap up? Uh, I would just conclude by saying, uh, really, uh, you know, the steps towards making change uh, starts from ourselves. You know, the point I made earlier with regards to uh, re-educating ourselves and understanding these issues from an Islamic perspective correctly starts from our own selves. Uh, we can't disinclude ourselves. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Quran clearly states that Allah will never change the situation of a people until they change the situation within themselves. So, you know, coming, you know, coming to terms with, you know, the problem at hand, turning back to, you know, the book of Allah and the sin of the Prophet ﷺ, particularly for guidance and, and understanding the guidelines with, you know, with within the parameters of how, you know, uh, those companions understood these issues and how they applied it, implemented it. So I think it's really going back to ourselves and, and accepting the fact that, we need to make change uh, for the better. We need to stand up against all forms of justice, uh, all forms of injustice against injustice, and stand up for justice as the Quran and the Sunnah indicate. So I think really change starts within ourselves. That's what I would say. Include with inshallah. Inshallah, Zakhla Khair, Sister Freya, the last word. Um, I just want to make two plugs. Um, one of the other legacies that we are trying to leave with the, the with, with uh, the Justice for Abdurrahman Coalition is the uh, importance of education. And so we've started a scholarship. We have a scholarship fund. I would love it um, for for those who want to be allies um, and who have the means to support um, through their pockets. Um, donations at justiceforabdurrahman.ca. You can send uh, a donation directly through with that email link. 
it's really important for us to continue the legacy of education, at least because we know that education, like you've just described, um, is uh, a way of enlightening um, and, you know, creating the opportunities for the next generation. Um, I also just want to mention that the, um, you know, Abdurrahman Abdi has a beautiful family and for Allahu A'lam why um, his he himself and his family were chosen, but to me it's a constant reminder of Allah's beauty and wisdom. Um, we've learned so much from uh, the, this family, especially uh, Amina Abdurrahman's mother. Um, she is an immensely patient and strong woman. Um, you might have uh, heard on uh, the radio recently this week, uh, Bridgehead, the place where the initial incident took place, um, the previous owner has come out um, and has uh, been you know, trying to seek forgiveness from the community. Um, and I, I think that to me, this is a, a really huge moment in time where we're coming full circle. Um, and I've, I, I, you know, it was a touching moment to see that there's an opportunity, like you said earlier, um, you know, the prophet wouldn't have turned his back on somebody who wanted to make amends. Um, and I really believe that uh, as, an, as a community, um, we have to um, welcome these things, but also at the same time, uh, demand change. Um, and justice, it's a responsibility we as Muslims have. And uh, uh, alhamdulillah that uh, our community has been able to step up. And I and I really hope that the community continues to support um, this particular cause. I think that it's, uh, you know, of course it affects all of us. Uh, the court dates have now been set for July 22nd to 20, uh, 20th to 22nd. And inshallah, this will be groundbreaking um, uh, court proceedings. Please, I beg everybody to make du'a um, for justice to be served both in this life um, and, of course, justice is with Allah's hands ultimately. Uh, but I believe that there will be a precedent set in this trial. Inshallah. Thank you uh, for having us on. No, beautifully bo uh, spoken, both of you. Uh, thank you so much uh, for your time away from your families on this Friday evening. Uh, and we really appreciate you joining us on this first inaugural session of uh, KMA Friday Night Mic Drop. Uh, so, uh, may Allah bless you both, both in your families. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala accept all of your efforts. Uh, thank you for having us. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, and thank you so much uh, to you uh, for joining us as well uh, and tuning in, watching uh, our very first uh, episode of KMA Friday Night Mic Drop. Uh, I hope that you found the uh, conversation uh, to be insightful um, and uh, you felt that it was coming from the heart and hopefully it touched your heart as well. Uh, leave your feedback. Uh, comments are always welcome. Uh, you can comment on our uh, Facebook uh, feeds and you can also uh, soon be able to comment on our YouTube uh, video as well. Inshallah, let us know what you think um, and how we can do better as a community. Thoughts, reflections, questions, criticism, everything is welcome. Uh, please do uh, leave your feedback. And thank you so much once again uh, for joining us. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala grant justice uh, to all of those who are oppressed. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala purify our hearts, our minds, our attitudes, our communities, our families, our society of all types of evils uh, and ills, from all types of evils and ills, uh, particularly uh, racism. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, purify us all uh, and make us uh, the best in the way that he wants us to be. Amin ya rabbal alameen. Jazakumullahu khaira. Please join us again next time. Stay tuned for uh, our next episode, inshallah. Take care of yourselves and have a great weekend. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala.